0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to
1: Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and joined uh, every Monday by Lindsey Crosby of News Talk WANI. Man, what, um, what a weekend.
0: What a weekend. Um, love a victory Monday. Uh, I'll take an on a regular Monday, because I have to. But um, yeah, just uh, there's a lot to like and a lot not to like from Saturday's game.
1: Yep, you're right. You're right. We're going to approach it from two different angles. I mean, there's a few... There's a few of the negative things I'm pretty passionate about that we're going to talk about, but we'll start with some of the positive stuff. Uh, the most positive thing from my weekend was I didn't have to leave the house, Lindsay, because of our friends from FetchMe. You can go to fetchmedelivery.com and check out all of the local partners that they have throughout Auburn, Opelike, and Lee County. If you're coming into the game this weekend for homecoming and you're staying in a hotel and you don't really want to feel like you know battling with any of the traffic, they are the folks that keep you updated every step of the way with your delivery process. And they're Auburn people and they're good people. Really, really big fans of all the folks that fetch me. Go to fetchmedelivery.com or use their free Fetch Me Delivery app and use promo code Local Meals to get a nice discount off of uh, any of your orders that are $30 or more. Fetchmedelivery.com. All right, Lindsay, let's talk about some of the good things. Obviously, Auburn lost to Penn State 28 to 20. And despite a bunch of things going wrong for the Tigers, they still had a chance to win it at the end. Really, two different times if you want to count you know, the, the kind of Hail Mary attempt that happened. Late in the game. So, first things first, and I wrote about this at auburnwire.com. Probably going to get some slack for it, but, like, I thought Bo Nix looked pretty good Saturday night. I don't think he's the reason the Tigers really um, had a hard time scoring in the red zone. I I think Bo Nix did what he was asked to do by his coaching staff, and that was not lose the football game, and I don't think Bo Nix was the reason Auburn lost Saturday night.
0: Yeah, w- one of the common refrains we heard leading into this game is that Bo Nix is terrible on the road. He's got a bad completion percentage. He's got a bad touchdown to INT ratio, and all of that. And that Bo Nix did not show up on Saturday night. Uh, Bo did what he needed to do. Uh, he didn't have the mental mistakes. Uh, you know, he he wasn't wildly inaccurate. He had now he, he had passes that weren't perfect, and a lot of them were not caught. We had some bad breaks there and we'll get to the wide receivers later, but Bo did not lose this game for Auburn, and that's not something that we've been able to say about road losses in the past under Bo Nix.
1: I agree with you. I agree. So I thought Bo looked really good. I thought um, Tank, Bigsby, Jarquez, Hunter. I think Auburn has a really special one-two punch with them. You know, Sean Shivers was sitting at home, unfortunately. You got to think he'll be back next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he was tweeting about those guys and like the one, two, three punch with those guys. You got to think that's going to be fun, especially because I think they all bring a, something a little different to the table. So you can do a lot of fun things with them. And then the offensive line really may have been the surprise of the night, in my opinion, as far as positive things go. I thought the offensive line looked really, really good. They were consistently opening up holes for the running game for Tank and Jarquez. And Bo Nix had plenty of time to throw the ball. I mean, obviously there was going to be some plays where they had pressure, but as a general rule, like I was really, really happy with the offensive line.
0: One of the questions going into this weekend was how would Austin Troxel and Bernarius Ham handle those two talented edge rushers from Penn State? And the, con- the common assumption was we were going to give, you know, give them a lot of tight end help and we were going to, you know, be chipping and putting it back that way. And for the most part, they handled it. Uh, Penn State did not report a sack. Uh, Bo Nix got hit a few times, which happens in every game. Sure, but but on pass protection, they looked pretty good. The interior of the line gave up a little more pressure than the edges, but they did not let Penn State's defensive line beat them to the quarterback. And then running the ball, like you said, uh, opening holes, moving the line, and we saw on some cr- on some critical conversions. I remember a uh, a third and short conversion where the entire right side of the defensive line just collapsed because Auburn just moves them out of the way. Mm. And so the offensive line played a lot better than we than we thought they would against a ranked team.
1: I think so. Yeah, I mean, the big question was, okay, all of these strengths that we saw from Auburn versus Akron and Auburn versus Alabama State, which of these is going to transfer to a higher level of competition? The offensive line did, running game did, and I think quarterback play did for the most part. On the defensive side of the ball, the rushing defense was incredible. I think the defensive front... Uh really just the front seven. I mean, linebackers are stacked. Even with with Auburn being out, Owen Papo, because it sounds like he rolled his ankle. And Harson wasn't readily available to give an update on that right after the game, as we record this uh, pretty early on Sunday morning. But the uh, and then Zacoby McLean with that questionable targeting call, um, which unpopular opinion, I think that was targeting. I think the rule just stinks. I'm just, I'm just putting yep. that out there. I, I think by what the rule of college football is with targeting, I believe it was targeting, but the rule just needs to be – it's it's a bad rule because what else is he supposed to do? So props to him for making the play, but uh, Auburn kind of lucked out the fact that they don't have – they don't need him in the first half next week, which is nice. In fact, I, I don't even think they should play him next week. Just keep, get him ready for, uh, for LSU in two weeks. But all in all, like the defensive front I think was fine – And a lot of people want to nitpick on the pass rush. And I'm right there with you. I I think the pass rush was a problem. But I think we knew if Auburn only sent three or only sent four in some instances, that they probably would not get there in time. And I guess Derek Mason did not feel that way because I I thought the big, you know, attractive thing about this defense was you're going to do so many different things up front. And throw off the opposing offense as far as, you know, having a bunch of different things as far as different blitzes and different fronts that they have to block and scheme for. And we didn't really see that on Saturday night. So that was um, that was something that kind of left me scratching my head.
0: Yeah, the, the run defense being great, you know, 2, 2.8 yards per carry, 11 tackles for loss. Uh, t- Tony Fair Marcus Harris really did great work on the interior there to, to to stop Penn State up the middle and forced everything kind of to go outside, you know push it outside, push it to where we had guys waiting. And they made Penn State one-dimensional and we challenged the quarterback to beat us. Um, and he did because we was not we, we were not getting pressure on him. We were not making him move his feet. We were not making him throw off balance or, or check down or panic. Um, I think we had one quarterback hit or one 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 official hurry, and it was a green dog blitz where where I think it was Chandler Wooten was spying the quarterback, saw him roll out trying to buy time and just went after him and hit him.
1: Well Zaccoby um, laid
0: him out. That's what it was. But Zaccoby and, and
1: it was at the end of the first half and Roger McCurry got the pick.
0: Yeah, so so two two good hits on on Sean Clifford there. But other than that, just sending in a lot of Dropping eight in zone and sending three or sending four. I thought Owen Papo would blitz a lot more than he did in the first half, and obviously he wasn't around. I the thought second half, everyone. I, really th-
1: I thought everyone would blitz a lot more.
0: I thought, yeah, I thought the I, whole
1: team would blitz a lot more. Didn't happen. It,
0: it was just it was us counting on Colby Wood and Derek Hall and T D Moultrie to get after the quarterback, and it didn't happen. Yeah. So and there were know, even
1: instances where like. The defensive backs were stepping up and and, you know and it looks like they were about to be sent on a blitz, but the play was so quick, then they had to readjust. But it's like I I, I don't get that move either. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure that they had a lot of thought that went into this this game plan. I just I don't think it worked as well as they wanted them to. If you would have told me that Auburn would score 20 points going into the game, it's like they probably win that. They probably win that game. But the defense to me Underperformed um, a ton. And we'll, we'll touch on more of that in just a moment. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. All right, all of you folks listening or watching, our uh, college football fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? It's daily fantasy made easy. It's a leader in college sports, daily fantasy. Uh, they offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid majors that you might not have ever heard of. So, Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. And uh, all of the users, all the folks listening, they deposit um, and and use our promo code. You can receive 100% instant deposit match for up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. And, uh, yeah, you can either go to prizepicks.com or uh, download their free app in the App Store and download it today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy.
0: The NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find locked on college basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.
1: All right, let's pivot to some of the more negative things. And this is the thing that I think is um, the thing that stood out to me the most. It's the uh, all right. So all off season, we were being fed fourth and one mentality and discipline. And I understand, and, and I said, I said this early on in the Harson the Harson hiring process. Like it's going to take time for him to get his culture implemented into this into this this locker room. And I've already been impressed by how much that they've been able to integrate that culture into what's happening now. But what happened Saturday night? You had two prime opportunities when it was fourth and short to do that fourth and short mentality and win against the top 10 football team on the road. You had two great opportunities to do that. And one of them, when you're really in it and you chose to go for a field goal on fourth and one late in the game, and then ultimately that field goal, the point didn't even really matter because it put you in a weird situation late in the game. Then on fourth and two, Tank, Bigsby, and West Hunter have been getting yards at will. And you chose to go with, with the fade option. And he was asked about the fade option after the game in his post-game press conference, Harson was. And there's a couple things that he said that one I thought was encouraging and then a few things that I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. So when they went into the fourth and two, they called a timeout, which, I, which I'm okay with in some instances. But you knew if you didn't get it, you were gonna have to get a stop, which they did, and then they had like I think forty seconds left on the clock when Bonex got 39. the football. Thirty nine. There you go. And so if you get that, if you don't use that timeout and you don't get it, maybe they have a minute and a half. And I think the play calling totally changes and they were marching down the field. So I think it changes things. But he was asked about it. And he said that those are predetermined plays. They practiced that situation all week. So they knew if it was fourth and short with the game on the line, they had that play drawn up. That is what I take from his response Saturday night. Same. And so my question then is, if it's predetermined, why are you calling a timeout for it? You practice for this. And people want to say, well, don't throw the fade. I agree with you. But according to Harson, there were four or five options that Bo could have gone with, and he got the ball and he threw it to Kobe. I don't know if that was the first read or not. It certainly looked like it was because it happened so quick. But whatever. That's not. If that's true, that is not a Harson thing. That is a, an execution thing. And and Harson said that it was not executed well. But the whole calling a timeout on something that was predetermined, or calling a timeout and you come out with that is a weird thing to me. And. Holly Rowe, the sideline analyst, tweeted out after the game that, like, the Auburn offense came off of the field. It sounds like they were ticked off with a play call, and she made comments about how angry Tank Bigsby was coming off the field, and it's just like, it just seemed like a really weird move when you've been talking about fourth-and-one mentality all summer, and then you've got a chance with the best running back in college football to pound it in because Tank was really, really good in the red zone and around the goal line. Saturday mm-hmm. night, like he was. I don't think there's anything you could do to, to argue with me about that. And you, you didn't go that route. And you don't have to worry about clock because if it's short, there's still the Penn State still getting the ball. The, the clock stops because it's the turnover on downs. I can't think of a scenario where that made sense and why it made sense. And when Harson was asked about that Saturday night, he said, well, it's a little more calculated than that. And I'm like, sure, I believe you. But I think sometimes, and we saw this with the previous uh, previous regime, There's no need to get cute on the two-yard line when your offensive line has been super solid in the running game and you have Tank Bixby. That's just my thoughts. I'd love to hear yours.
0: I mean, I'm in agreement. If you, to call the timeout and then to have a play that you decided on Thursday you were going to run is inexcusable, especially to then not convert it and not have that 40 seconds. I mean, it would have been a minute 37 we got the ball back if they had that timeout still which is drastically
1: different than 39 seconds like you said
0: yeah i mean they're they're moving down you talk about they're moving down the field at will and we had a shot at the end zone as time expired you give them an extra 40 seconds let's look at what they do um completely different final drive there so i'm okay i can be okay with calling the timeout if And I'm not saying you have to score for the timeout to make sense because that's not how this works. It's a good decision or a bad decision on its own, regardless of the outcome. I'm okay with calling the timeout if you use that time to take what you've seen so far in three and a half quarters of game time and come up with a play call that's going to work, that's going to get you a better chance at scoring than what that was. And I mean, exactly what you said, to have a predetermined play call but to call a timeout and then to run a play that you decided on Wednesday or Thursday you were going to do to me was kind of just emblematic of some of the coaching failures of this game.
1: You Um, had, I mean, you you had all the momentum, Lindsay, going mm -hmm. into the situation and I just, I I don't understand it. The whole feel of the game thing just didn't match. And we're not on the sidelines. We don't, we're not in those meetings. We don't know, but Harson's response saying, it's a little more calculated than that. I believe you, Coach Harson, but I just think in that situation, it doesn't have to be because you have the best running back in the country, and I think we saw even more proof of that Saturday night.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you can't trust your offense to get two yards on the ground with Tank Bixby or Jarquez Hunter, when you're running for, what, 5.16 yards a carry in the game, right? then what are we even doing here? Well, you, tr- I mean, we you thought- trusted
1: him on the four to get four yards for his first touchdown. I believe his second yeah. touchdown, that was up the middle. And then his second touchdown was an outside run, I believe, for six yards. And you had a hat on the hat, man, blocking on the outside, well-executed by the receiver. Side ends, Darius team had a great block space there. And it's like, okay, well, he's done it. He already did it twice. And it's just is this a thing where it's like, uh, well, he can't do it three times? Because like, that's just an odd approach, in my opinion. With all of this, but hey, I, that's that play call is going to be talked about for a long time, for a long time. Much like the um, the Coxcat thing, you know, against Alabama against the, uh, the Chandler Cox toss sweep on fourth and two uh, against Clemson. I think, I think that play call is going to be talked about for a very, very long time. And you know it's going to come up a year from now when Penn State comes to Auburn. So that's just something we're going to have to live with. That's something these coaches are going to have to coach through and, and deal with. And I, I just I would have loved to have been in that huddle when that was called because it sounds like despite them working on it throughout the week, that, the, um, that they were ticked, that they were ticked with the call based on what Holly Rose report. So I think that's something to look at moving forward. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Sweat Block. It's doctor created, doctor recommended. And uh, man, I'm sure a lot of Auburn fans could have used it last night because we all were sweating. So uh, it works for up to seven days per use. So if you apply it now, you don't have to worry about it uh, <laughs> for the homecoming game next week. But hey, it's a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years, over 13,000 reviews. It's currently number one in Amazon's antiperspirant category and it's made right here in the USA. So if, if this is something that you deal with as far as, you know, having to replace shirts often or confidence or whatever it may be, head over to sweatblock.com and you can get 20% off. Just use promo code LOCKEDON. Uh, you also can order it at Amazon or CVS, but to get that 20% off, go to sweatblock.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. Also, today's show brought to you by Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the planet with a ton of different flavors, coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint, brownie. My favorite is the peanut butter brownie or Rocky Road when they have that limited flavor, a uh, limited time flavor available. But all high in protein, all low in sugar. They're delicious. Go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKS15 to get 15% off your first order. Use promo code lock 15 for 15% off. That is at built.com. All right, Lindsey, what are some other things you want to talk about from uh, Saturday night's game?
0: The wide receivers. Um, The thing that I noticed, I mean, and everybody's going to immediately point to Cedric Jackson getting eight targets and having two catches for six yards, or they're going to talk about Kobe Hudson's fumble to start the second half, and, um, you know, that's, that's a fluky thing. To me, it was just the inability for the wide receivers, for the most part, to win an individual matchup. Um it, it felt like a lot of the receivers the the completions down the field that did work. It was something where both through a back shoulder, Kobe had a good adjustment to catch one of those. I can't think who the second one was, but there was two yeah, guys. It was um uh, John Samuel Shanker got the other one. That's what it was. You know, just uh making an extraordinary play downfield to to get separation in the moment, right. but for the most part, anybody to beat their matchups and then when they did beat their matchups and I'm thinking about Shedrick Jackson streaking down the sideline, uh ball hits you, you know, hits you in the hands and it's not it's not caught um, right. from the from the nerd stats I was looking at. I believe Bo Nix had eight catchable balls that were not caught uh, on Saturday night and it's it's something where we need a wide receiver to step up. Um, I thought after that Akron game, Shedrick Jackson would have been that guy with the sure hands. And uh, now I'm not so sure, but I do think that this is obviously a little bit of an overreaction, but I do think that in the off season, you're going to be looking at um, them hitting the transfer portal again, looking for some sort of wide receiver like Demetrius Robertson, who can come in uh, play right away, as well as recruiting some instant impact wide receivers who they think can start as a freshman. Uh, Because for some reason the room right now doesn't have it. And I don't know if that's, Coaching, I don't know if that's just experience or what it is, but the wide receiver room is lacking at the moment, and that's going to hurt Auburn moving forward in situations where we have to throw the ball like we did sometimes last night.
1: And I wonder if Javarius Johnson was back, how much that would make an impact on this. And I'd love to know, once again, we're not in practice. We don't see what these coaches see, but is the divide between the guys that are playing and Elijah Canyon and Zevion Capers, like, is is it that vast? Like, is the difference that large? I would love to know. Um, it's impossible for us to know until, you know, these guys maybe move on and we hear some things. But I think um, I think that's something that's really surprised me. But, I mean, we've seen, like, we've seen Canyon and Capers compete and do well and succeed. And they were, uh, they were nowhere to be seen Saturday night. And it looks like Johnson's still battling some kind of injury. Because um, we were told that if he had to play last week, he would have and right. you know he if he did play last night it was extremely limited I didn't notice him and I haven't looked at snap count numbers or anything yet but you see a little bit of Malcolm Johnson Jr. in there he seems to be kind of the next guy um, and, and when Bo throws his way he seems to do fine and I've noticed when I was rewatching the game and I was kind of putting some of my gif thread together for Twitter and Auburn Wire that Malcolm Johnson Jr. has no issue blocking which is great despite his size and right. so maybe that's what's getting him on the field but I expected more from Shedrick, especially when we kind of saw him over the last few weeks look really, really good. And I, look, I expected more from Robertson last night. He has yeah. a, a few catches that would have been tough, but that's why he transferred here uh, to be able to be in those situations, to be that guy in this receiver room. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's uh, for, From the most part, if you take out Kobe Hudson's fumble, I think Kobe Hudson looked really good Saturday night. But that fumble on that end around that looked like it was going to be a trick play, uh, where he could throw it because he was a, a high school receiver uh, quarterback. But he is a natural wide receiver. I think, so natural. yeah, so natural. But I think, um, I, I think that was kind of the thing where it's like, man, I hate it for Kobe because he was having a really, really good game. Otherwise, one of the things that you, you look at, you look at that fumble. And I know you can flip the coin and say, well, Bo should have thrown a pick six in the closing minutes of the first half and they just bobbled it and and dropped it. But you just look at some of these things and it's like, okay, what if Auburn goes for it instead of kicking the field goal late in the game? Or what if they run it on fourth and two and they score? Or Kobe Hudson doesn't fumble. And it's like, you look at a few of these big moments in the game, which is what football is. But it's like Auburn could have totally won this football game. Auburn could have totally won this game. And so mm. it's like, you know, how much do we need to overreact to this? To You know, sometimes you're just on the wrong end of these things. And people are talking about officiating and how Auburn really benefited from officiation, uh, officiating. And I'm like, no, stop it. Officiating was bad. But just because officiating was bad doesn't mean it was totally one-sided. Because I think Penn State got a ton of calls. That uh, you know, the fact that there was no DPI in the um in the end zone with that fade to to Kobe Hudson, and then a few plays later they want to call it on Pritchett when they were throwing it downfield, and like that wasn't a catchable ball either. So there was just a lot of inconsistencies. We already talked about the targeting call and things like mm-hmm. that. It's like I think I think the officiating was even. It just wasn't good for either side. But all in all, like. I'm amazed by how many Auburn fans are saying, well, they missed so many holding calls. And it's like, stop it. Auburn did not lose that game because the refs did not throw a flag on a holding penalty. Get out of here with that.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it, it was bad officiating. It was bad officiating all around. No and doubt. So, and so, I mean, the, some of the more visible, like obvious mistakes, like the whole punting on third down thing, uh, which I do want to just pedantically point out, the home team is the one that provides the chain gain, So technically that was Penn state's fault, but whatever. Uh, I forgot all about the punting on third down thing. I forgot yeah. all about that. That, that seems like a year ago. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, but the, the targeting call, like you mentioned, I mean, it was the correct call by the rules, but the rule is wrong. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, you can't, you say that wasn't targeting. That was targeting. It just should not be considered targeting. Right. Um, should a receiver you know, that is
1: still making a play towards the end zone yes. be ruled as defenseless? I personally do not think so. Now, if he was just going yeah. down and like going down with the ball, and and Zacobi hit him, okay, that's something. But he was still active and still fighting for more yardage. But yeah. by rule, that is targeting. Still, like we said, yeah. we said it a million times. We'll, we'll put a bow on it. But like we both, we both think it was targeting, but the rule stinks. So
0: there we go. Yeah, done. Um, but I mean, just there's so many what ifs in this game that like Disney just bought this to put on Disney plus as a new Marvel what if show, there were so many what ifs in this game and we're going to get a chance to, to run this back and do it again next year in Auburn. Um, I honestly, I don't necessarily think, and I've got to catch so much flack for this. I don't think the whiteout had that big of a factor on Auburn. I believe we had either one or two false starts we had that many at home last week against Alabama State. So Auburn did a good job of handling the crowd noise, kind of like we thought they would. And you saw um, you
1: saw Bo like go behind the line and like communicate with Nick Brahms. And it's yeah. like, you can't do that at LSU or Florida.
0: You know, I mean, yeah, when you're playing a night game in Baton Rouge, everything is silent. You're not talking, you're not doing anything. So the fact he's stepping up and he's like calling audibles in the huddle or changing protections, you know, at the line means that they figured out how to handle this crowd and it was fine. Um, all in all, I'm okay with it. I actually had this at 28, 21 as you know, on my predictions last week. So I just had the wrong team winning. I was off by a point, had the wrong team winning, but I feel okay for this being the third game of this new coaching staff. I feel okay with where the players are. I'm I'm questioning some of the decisions from the coaching staff. Like you said, you know, the, the fourth down call, yeah. some of what we're trying to do on defense. But I feel good about where the players themselves are game three. A uh, couple of things I did notice last night, nobody's really talked about yet. After that hit in the first quarter, Bo came up holding his shoulder. I noticed some of his, and we all talked about it in the Discord last night, his deep balls. Had a lot of air underneath them since, and he threw two or three later. I mean, it was like a punt. So I wonder if his if his shoulder was bothering him a little bit. We didn't hear anything after the game about that. Obviously, didn't hear a lot at all after the game. So that's a question, not an excuse, just a question. Um, and then, just because I have to point it out, I did notice Anders Carlson on some of uh, uh, not on the field goals, but on some of the extra points, some of the kickoffs didn't quite look right. Looked like he had some sort of foot foot issue with his plant leg uh, I don't know if it was a toe or a foot or something but just something for us to probably look for this week at practice see if they talk about it he nailed his um, kicks
1: though man that guy's automatic the, the last thing the I want to talk about Lindsey defensive back play, And we talked about pass defense a little bit and the pass rush did not help the defensive backs by any stretch of the imagination but Roger McCreary is so good he is so so good and in fact, mm-hmm. Penn State's answer for their passing game was, okay, we're just going to move Jahan Dotson away from Roger McCreary. And then Dotson, I mean, n- nobody else on Albert's defense had an answer for Dotson. But when McCreary no. was on him, for what I can tell, he was pretty pretty shut down. But the gap between Roger McCreary and the second-best defensive back on this team is about as wide as the Grand Canyon. Like, it is amazing. It is. It is... Nehemiah Pritchett, I thought would be a, a lot better than what we've seen so far. And Smoke Monday, I thought would be a lot better, especially at this point in his career. I think mm-hmm. Odovin Kaufman's fine, actually. Um, but you, and, and I'd like to see more of Zion Puckett. I thought he was okay, too. So I, I think I think moving forward, you got to look at it and say, okay, what is what do these guys do well? And they play man very well because they're aggressive and scrappy and they're better when they're standing close to the line of scrimmage and they're able to push you and kind of keep a hand on you while you're running your route because that's what they've been doing ever since they got at Auburn with Kevin Steele. And hot take here, if Kevin Steele is Auburn's defensive coordinator, I know we don't really like him as a fan base right now, but I think Auburn wins the game last night because I think the zone stuff in the first half was a really, really bad move. And we saw him do this a lot at Vanderbilt because he had to because he didn't have the athletes. But now he's got the athletes. I fully believe if if Auburn would have stick stuck with man significantly more Saturday night, Penn State does not score twenty eight points. That's just that's the hill that I'm going to die on. It's impossible to prove it, but that's the strength of this, these defensive backs: is bump and run coverage on the outsides and keep everything inside of you. And that 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 wasn't that was not their style of play Saturday night.
0: Yeah. Getting a little more in-depth on that, part of me wonders if the hesitation Kevin Steele has with them playing more man and more aggressive press coverage is he doesn't trust the safeties to come over and clean it up if a guy gets beat. And that's, to me, other than he's just scarred from his time at Van, he doesn't think he has the athletes. That's the only thing I can really think of. Derek Mason. Derek Mason. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of as to why he wouldn't be doing more man, um, because I mean we've seen we saw this this Auburn team with a lot of the same personnel go into LSU and shut down you know the national championship, hold them to less points and anybody else scored. We know that Auburn players have the skill set mm-hmm. to excel in a situation like that last night, and I noticed a little more man in the second half, and Dodson was getting. Free either he was isolated on Pritchett or he was doing crossers and things to just get him moving, make McCurry follow him through traffic, uh, try to get him to spring free on a coverage bust. Um, but the I, safeties cover the tight ends had me worried. Uh, we've let too many tight ends get loose there.
1: Did safeties then, cover the tight ends?
0: Did anyone cover the tight ends? Not necessarily. Uh, I think they were supposed to. I think a lot of those you saw it, it no, I, has, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all, yeah, I'm, I'm
1: joking there, but um, yeah. as as this is gonna be a long show, but the, the uh, the, the other thing I want to mention about the defensive backs, and I think Smoke Monday is a fine player, but he he did not look good Saturday night, but the thing that irks me, and I don't want to isolate Smoke Monday here, but he is a leader on this defense. He was voted the leader of the defensive backs by his peers last year. He shared that on his Instagram story when it happened. I thought it was a pretty cool thing. Because it talks about, I mean, there's a lot of talent in this defensive back room. And I think the individual talent is greater than the product that they put as a unit Saturday night. And even even against Alabama State. And so, it's on smoke to be the leader in that room. And every time, every time a tight end or somebody close to him would catch it, and it looked like it was his guy, some of it. Some of the other times, I'm like, okay, I think that was somebody else's guy. But he pops up and, like, puts his hands in the air and, like, like, he's asking a question. And it's like, man, you can't, like, you've got to figure that out. Like, you were the leader of this unit, and I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you that. I don't think I'm saying anything that Smoke would find, you know, um, you know critical or anything like that. But all in all, like, Smoke, you were the leader of that defensive back room. And it's on you, I think, to put it all together. And I think he and Derek Mason will do that. And they've got two weeks to figure it out. If Auburn goes and looks uh, the exact same in Baton Rouge in two weeks, then I think we have an issue. I think we have a long-term issue here. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think that's going to be the case. LSU is nowhere near as good of a football team. I'm not saying talented, but they're nowhere near as good of a football team as Penn State is. I don't think. And so I think when it's all said and done, you got to take the information that you get from this game and put it into play so you can beat LSU in two weeks.
0: Yeah, uh, we learned a lot more about our team than we knew. Uh, we know that we're not as good as we were against Akron and Alabama State, obviously, but we're not as bad as people said we could be. Right? Um, could could we still go seven and five, eight and four this season? We could. Uh, but we know Maybe. that this team, ha- yeah. But we know this team has the talent to be better. It's a matter of getting everybody on the same page, getting the chemistry together, get everybody right. Yep, Lindsay, where can people find you and hear you, my friend? I am at Auburn Banker on the socials and in our Discord, and you can listen to me seven to nine Monday through Friday on News Talk WANI. Follow me on Twitter at Z Follow the show on Twitter, locked on Auburn,
1: and on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. And find all my written work at auburnwire.com. Join us tomorrow right here on Locked On Auburn.
0: The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts